Okay, welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about live sales coaching sessions with people like you and impactful sales conversations to find out others' mistakes to the top so we can avoid them. Make sure you're on our distribution list to never miss out. In this episode, we're going to talk about how sales teams can succeed during a recession. My guest today is Steve Benson. He's the founder of Badger Maps, which helps field salespeople be more successful by building a daily route, and he's a leading outside sales expert for the past decade. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Hey, thanks for having me, Alicia. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you on a Friday afternoon. That's when you know someone is a leader. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> okay, so we um, are talking about something that a lot of people are struggling with right now, especially in field sales um, during, I mean, in a recession, anytime a sales team is adjusting, but in a health pandemic, um, that impacts field sales specifically a little harder. So um, what changes have you uh, noticed in the industry and new challenges that sales leaders need to overcome during this time? Well, yeah, I think it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's, a, it's a different world, right? Um, first of all, I think salespeople and sales teams are encountering desperate competitors doing desperate things. Uh, a lot of companies are really hurting and, and they're willing to do things now that they really wouldn't have done before deep discounting, liquidating their inventory just to make ends meet really, giving away free consulting or other free low cost value things to all these things with the goal of stealing your customers away from you. Um, uh, also, I think that uh, in these times, salespeople and, and sales teams are, are, are are running into new challenges coming directly from their their prospects and their customers. I think there's resistance that people are encountering as salespeople that just wasn't there before. Customers not wanting to engage, um, not having the budget to spend on things, not wanting to meet in person, et cetera. I mean, and, and if someone didn't really want to meet with you before, they didn't really want to engage with your product or didn't your service, that now they have a fantastic excuse. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's so much resistance to spending money for that, that people are running into. And a lot of these spending freezes come from the top. Uh, and another thing that I think people are running into is really aggressive procurement offices that are looking to leverage the down economy to get discounts out of you, better terms, and, and generally jam down your margins. And, you know, don't, don't forget procurement, procurement professionals, they're, they're basically professional negotiators, right? And, uh, you know, when does a professional negotiator stop trying to get concessions out of you? It's, it's the same way, same way you would stop wringing out a, a, a wet rag. You'd stop when it stops giving water. So I think, you know, salespeople, they need to start, start knowing, think, rethink when they, when they stop giving concessions, 
when they re recognize, hey, I'm in a zero sum portion of this negotiation, this isn't a win-win right now. Um, I'm, you know, it's just, I'm just getting my arm twisted here. And, uh, and hey, it, it, it's, it's, it's the procurement office's job to do that, right? They've so been paid to do them. that. So how would you suggest somebody react in that situation when somebody can say, you know, I'll just go to someone else who's going, I mean, that's kind of a conversation that's always been valid, right? Like, I'll just go to somebody else. We'll do it for cheaper. Um, but I guess that there might be an additional layer of desperation uh, in the scenario. Yeah, and, and, and they're more emboldened and, and maybe some of your traditional weapons uh, in those types of negotiations, like value selling, sell, selling, you know, selling why your service is, is going to bring them more value than other services that might be cheaper, um, which is often the case. And when you have field salespeople, one of their jobs is to, it's because you have a higher value product or service in a commoditizing market or a commoditized market. And, and the salesperson's job is to defend why your service is superior and, and explain it. And, um, an emboldened procurement office who only cares about the cheapest product and might and, and never is the end user of the product basically uh if they've been empowered to say no um to not the cheapest product then then that weapon is, is isn't as use isn't as powerful as it once was yeah so what do you think are the areas that reps would need coaching on in this scenario well i i think coaching and up leveling uh, a sales team's skill set is so important in tough times like these and, and and really any time of change uh in this economy while we're in this adjustment phase i believe sales managers should be spending like 50 percent of their time coaching their team and you know coaching means a lot of things it could be pre-call strategizing post-call debriefing joint calls opportunity specific coaching of different kinds right but mm -hmm. anything that makes a team or a rep better counts towards that 50 percent rule of thumb but i mean to your question in terms of what needs to be coached i think and this and how it needs to be coached it really depends on the on the, the team and the industry but i i do think it's definitely in greater need now than ever before uh i think that no that for one thing you know you it is harder to get deals over the finish line. And so you need more deals coming down the pipe. And I think, uh, so pipeline building is another great area to coach on. Um, yes, in addition to the, the negotiation. We can. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that's in addition to the negotiation training we were talking about, but, but, um, I think pipe learning to rethink who we're prospecting to, who we're selling to, because it, it may be a slightly different person. The best buyer for your product or service may have shifted a little bit in this economy. Sometimes it's shifted a lot, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the good news is we're seeing people pick up, pick up the phones more than we have in the past and actually engage because they, they are in a situation often where they need to make a change. And they're motivated to find new vendors who can, who can help them solve their very real problems. So coaching on negotiation, pipeline building, rethinking uh, with your team, how to attack the market. It's a great use of a sales leader's time right now. Yeah, I think it just comes down to like, everybody's scared, right? So how can what you're offering empower them to be less scared? How Absolutely. Can it, 
how can it put them in a better position where they don't need to worry as much as the other people in their in their sales industry or what in their industry that are selling the same thing and really focusing on that angle of it where it's like you're going to be more successful because of what we're offering if it's commoditized like if we're just talking about you know bumpers on cars or something i i don't know about that um, yeah well that's all that's always harder to sell with value if it's a pure play commodity and often it's not anymore right like there's other ways to buy truly commoditized products on the internet and you know in other ways but yeah um does but yeah, I think be, being able to communicate in dollar terms to your customer, especially to the to your allies and the people at the customer that actually want to buy your product, so that they can, you know, your sponsors basically, so that they can communicate around the organization. You need to help, and you need to, you need to empower your sponsor to be able to communicate in dollar terms why the their company will be better off spending this money with you than not spending this money with you like if we do this we will save this much we will save this much in cost we'll get this much more in revenue we will be this much more efficient and it's it's calculatable and here's the, here's the math behind it it's really important to empower your sponsor to have that today yeah and like you're going to weather this storm better with what we're offering you um, mm -hmm. whereas if you didn't, you know, you couldn't come out of the recession maybe on the other side. Uh, so another, um, sorry, I just got a text that totally distracted me. Somebody's coming into town. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So another thing is, I don't know, cause that text distracted me. So, um, the, the coaching, uh, is what we were talking about. And then I also mm -hmm. wanted to ask about um, people who need to do like in-person presentations of their product. So what do they do? Um, I, I think that, uh, that that is a big challenge right now. Like th there are many people, many people, especially people that are in field sales, there's a reason that uh, that they met, that they meet with customers face to face, right? There's a reason that's the best way to do business for their company, and and it's because they have a product that for some reason, and there are a lot of reasons that this can be the best way to communicate with a customer, the best way to get in front of customers. The they they need to see it. They need it's a relationship sale. There there are a lot of reasons that this you know that this can be important. But if you can't get in front of your customers and and I will say that most, so the, you know, Badger obviously services field salespeople, right? It's an application for field salespeople. Most of our customers are still seeing customers and we can see, you know, from their activity, they're still out in the field because most businesses are considered essential. There's, you know, obviously um, that we lost about 20% of our customers, which, which makes That's sense given small. that. Until, it's pretty small. Yeah. Um, pretty small, but most businesses are considered essential, right? If you really look around, most things are still open and still occurring. Um, they're just doing it in a slightly different way. They've adjusted their behavior to be more safe, et cetera. But, you know, across the board about, uh, you know, what, what happened with our customer base is mirrored with the broader economy. About, about a fifth of businesses have gone out of business. And um, uh, and obviously it's it's not... This just hits some people a lot harder than others. But we're so we're, we've we've saw about twenty percent of our business disappear, you know, over the course of a month and a half in March and April. But 
Um, but but the other eighty percent, they are still out having face to face visits. So, so that you know, and I, and I think it's just harder. But they they they're still doing this because if you don't have face to face visits, you you know, the sales cycles can expand. It, it can be harder to communicate. It can be harder to get a, get a customer's attention. It can be maybe you can't show them a product uh, in the same way. But maybe you can't build the relationship, and and the relationship was important in the industry. But uh, I think if you absolutely can't see a customer, you you can't meet with your customers in person, then, you know, moving to zoom type meetings, there are other ways to stay productive. Um, You can work on generating new sales cycles, even if they're going to be really hard to close or the sales cycle is going to be really long right now, you can still uh, be productive by setting up new sales cycles, moving the ball downfield, fill the top of the funnel, you know, don't focus as much on the middle and end. If things really can't close right now, you just kind of set them up to be closed. Once, once yeah. things do come back online, like if you're selling beer to bars, for example, like, you know, maybe it is still worth building relationships with more with, with people that are made the decision makers at these, at these bars and with the knowledge that, you know, they'll be open again at some point, depending on what, what state you're in. But I think uh, it's a good time to get awareness up in your territory, shift your activity more into awareness, lead generation type things. Um, social selling, it's a great time to invest in social selling skills. And obviously this is a, a topic big enough for a book, right? I mean, on, on, my, on my podcast for outside salespeople, uh, outside sales talk, I've, I've had five maybe shows with experts on, on social selling during the pandemic. And that has been really helpful. Uh, I, I think in general, just rethink your, your strategies and your approaches. There are a ton of cl- clever little tactics that generate new leads and deepen existing relationships with customers. If you're using social media, right? I mean, especially things like LinkedIn can be very powerful for, for, for B2B field salespeople. Yeah. And like, um, we've had a lot of success with loom videos, um, loom videos, or even just a regular video of you, you know, introducing yourself and saying something about the company. Um, it can be really helpful to compliment them on something genuinely, obviously don't make it up. Um, but you know, the, the loom video is really great. Or if you've heard of bomb bomb, because Mm -hmm. it'll let you know when the person's viewed it and then you can have further communication based on that. So it's kind it's not going to be the same as being in person, but maybe there are some advantages to it because they can watch those videos whenever. And if you were to drop by, you know, the timing is not always perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, I think that you just have to be able to shift things up right now, even if it's not the best way to do it. And in, in, in a lot of cases and, and yeah, like video loom and, and there's bomb bomb, there's vidyard. Um, there's a couple others, but it's a, there's a lot of ways to start reaching out with video and, and even just phone calls and, and uh, you know, there's, there's a video calls. There's, there's, there's a lot of ways you can do it, but, but I, I kind of liken this to, I use a bowling analogy where everybody likes a good, I'm from the Midwest originally. Everybody likes I, a good bowling analogy. I have, I have, I have bowling analogies, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I liken it to setting up bowling pins and usually a sales rep might send up, set up 10 bowling pins a month and they get to roll the ball and see how many they can knock down deals being bowling pins. Right. Right. But, 
maybe there's some impediment in, in, in the job right now that's really preventing the closing, but you can keep setting up the bowling pins. So you can just set up more and more. You can, nobody says you can only set up 10. You can just keep setting them up and set up 100 pins. And then eventually the world comes back online. You get to roll, roll a ball through all the pins and, uh, and, and knock them down. And, you know, make, I think it's just get on calls right now, build the relationship and, and help, help that, that prospect understand how they're going to benefit from your solution. And then when we get into that better economic situation, then they're teed up, the bowling pin is set up, they're ready to do a deal. And, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like at the same time that reps are able to get back in the field and start closing their deals is going to be the same time that these businesses that, that are, are shut down or are not really doing much right now, that they're going to be back open for, for business. So you can kind of set yourself up. If you think about the net, how am I going to be successful in the next 12 months? How am yeah, I going to maximize like, revenue over the next 12 months? Don't just think about how crappy the next three are going to be. Yeah. Look at it from a bigger point of a uh, bigger picture, longer timeline. I like that. Um, I mean, also, what do you think about handwritten notes? Absolutely. Yeah. I think those are, I think that's a fantastic idea. I mean, have you ever gotten a handwritten note in a little envelope that you didn't open up and read? I mean, I, I, every single one and, and they get past the gatekeepers too. Like, you know, I'm, my, I, someone on my team on the operations team opens all my mail, but not if it's a handwritten note, cause they don't know what that is. Right. If, yeah. it, if, it, if <laughs> yeah. it's a piece of mail that looks like it's from the bank, they open it and like deal with it. Right. But if it's, if it's uh, you know, something that says my name on it and it's written in a little envelope. They, they assume it's for my mom or something, right? <laughs> they don't but know. Nobody, nobody does it anymore. So it stands mm -hmm. out. And I mean, if you've got extra time, you know, might as well build the relationship. Um, yeah, I, and I don't know a lot about this, but I have, I have seen services that actually can write something for you, like a machine, like writes the, writes the message. So it looks like yeah. you wrote it yourself, but actually it was a machine that wrote it and it like, they, they do the whole, they do the whole thing. So that's, that's cool and worth looking into. I, I, I don't know. I don't remember what the name of that service was, but it was like, I remember looking at it. It was like a buck a card or something. It was pretty reasonable. Yeah. That's not bad. As far as like managers being able to coach their uh, teams into being better during the situation, you were mentioning like joint calls and stuff like that. Have you noticed a trend of managers actually not selling the thing that they're managing others to sell? I mean, uh, I, I, I think that you don't have to be a great salesperson to be a great manager, but it sure helps. Um, it doesn't, you don't, you don't need to be able to st step in and, and, uh, and run a sales cycle or, or, or help run a sales cycle with a rep when, when they need it to, but it sure does help, especially from a training perspective. Um, yeah. some of the managers that I learned, I, I, I had both kinds of managers over the years. I had more of like the spreadsheet manager who, who kind of just looked at our numbers and didn't really tell us how to do things, but just, you know, told us to do. Hit your numbers. <laughs> yeah. Hit your numbers basically. But, and then I, I had a manager that, um, that was really, uh, and I was fortunate to have this manager when I was early in my career, he, he was just a, a sales ninja and he could step in at any, anytime I was jammed uh, and he had a million strategies to, you know, step in and do things, pick up, he could, he could pick up the deal and start carrying it over the line. And I, and then, and then hand it back to me when, uh, you know, once, once we got it unstuck. But, uh, so it's, I, I think it's always great if, if managers are both a player and a coach, but, but both are important skills and you can be a successful sales leader with, with either one or the other, 
best to have both. But during this time, would you say that managers should, you know, at least be putting themselves in the trenches somewhat if they never have before, just because that's how they're going to be able to, I mean, you, however you empower a person to be better at what they do, it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, being in the trenches, I, I always struggled with that. Managers would tell me what to do. And there were, I did have managers that did sell and had really, really solid advice, but I was shocked by the amount of sales managers I had that were terrible at sales. So, but they would still give sales advice. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, if you are that kind of sales manager right now, and you know who you are, right? You know, if you're like, yeah, I'm a great leader. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I, I know how to manage things. I know how to, but I, but maybe I've never carried a bag or I did it for a short period of time. Or when I done it, when I did it, it was, I was only kind of average, but I was, but people recognized that I had leadership potential. And so now I'm here in this leadership role. Um, I would, I would suggest that in this time, it is an important time to, listen more to the boots on the ground because it's a, a challenging and dynamic time. Um, there's a famous American general that was, you know, in Afghanistan, uh, Stan McChrystal, and he, he has a, a cool book and, and he, one of his main points is you gotta, you gotta have boots on the ground knowledge, right? And the basic premise here to be successful in a time of uncertainty, like fighting war in Afghanistan, a, a leader should, push decision-making down to the front lines and, and listen to the boots on the ground. They know firsthand what's working, what's not working, what's the mindset of the enemy or the soldiers, or in, the, in your case, the, in this case, the, cu the customers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they, they've got their finger to the wind. They're often the most adaptable because that's part of their job. So, you know, to apply this to leading to a sales team, leading a sales team in a bad economy, you know, First, figure out what skills or new strategies your reps need to employ, right? And, and, and what plays you need to run to be successful in this economy. Uh, look for the reps that are, do, that are finding success to figure out what those plays are um, and what, what strategies they're using. Um, look, like, so if you're not like, a, honestly, even if you're an amazing salesman as, and you, you also are now a sales manager, um, this is probably a good strategy right now too, just because times are uncertain. You don't, and, and it, nobody knows what's best. You gotta, you know, a, a little, a little humility is, is, can go a long and, way. And test new things, right? Like learn mm -hmm. new methods, read new books, do research and try some new stuff out. Think Absolutely. The box. Yeah. So, you know, find, find out where you're winning and then start turning stones over, figure out why, why, these, why the reps that are winning and are being successful are successful, and then look to replicate that success throughout the team. And I would, I would try to turn those successful reps into coaches. So I would I'd yeah. empower that rep that is being successful, kind of uh, you know, deputize them to be a leader and and teach their their teammates the the skills that are and, and and plays that are making them effective so you know that that can make the transition to a new environment way better so if one of your reps figures out a segment of your customer base that's still buying right now right and maybe mm -hmm. maybe the deals there's large or larger or unrespected needs but for, for whatever reason they're like that they found success they've figured out a way to fit your product or service into this new need that person should be empowered to train the rest of the team. Um, 
and and it could be selling to a new customer. Maybe you were selling beer to bars and that's not working. And now you, this rep figured out that he could talk to big apartment buildings of a certain type that really wanted, that would be interested in beer deliveries on Friday afternoons that, so that people don't have to like go on a beer run to the grocery store. And like they'd, they'll send, maybe that building will send, that, send out an email to the whole, to the whole apartment building and be like, hey, sign up, you know, fill out this Google form if you want beer dropped off. And, and you, can, so you can look for new, um, new, new ways of getting your, your product or service out there. But basically ask yourself, what, what are the skills, the tricks and the sales plays that your, your reps are using out there to be successful in this new environment, figure out who has those skills and understands those plays and then have them, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with them and have them teach the rest of the team. Yeah, I think that that is a great idea. And it really, um, it kind of puts everybody on the same team because sometimes sales can seem like everyone's in competition with each other. But, you know, if you create some kind of team goal, for example, where everybody gets incentivized, um, if they hit the goal, like it, it drives them to help each other, right? To Yeah. Well, in, in good times, you want to make, keep things interesting to by creating contests or create, you know, you, it, that can be, it's not my favorite strategy, but that can be a good strategy to create this, like, you know, a cutthroat sales pen where everyone's kind of, you know, out for themselves and competing. And, and, and I think certain types of reps thrive in that environment. And, and it's, and it is a way to keep a little friendly competition can, can keep things interesting in bad times. I mean, you've got to, you know, you got to worry about bringing in the revenue here and, and keeping, keeping the boats floating and, uh, and and people have got to come together a little bit and so it's not it's not the right time probably to really encourage competition on the team and as much as it is to say hey we got to help each other be more successful here like let's figure yeah, it out we're in it together it can be like a team sport yeah exactly so like instead of individual bonuses maybe it's about team bonuses or something like that um, yeah, there, there's a lot of ways that i would say you it's a good time to explore your comp plan right now. Yeah. Um, and there are, there, there are potentially things that, that you could change. And, and like we were saying, you know, that maybe there's some, maybe there's some team individual goals that you could shift, you know, part of the comp plan to team goals. Also a, a, an area that I see people screwing up all the time right now is, um, is if you have a, is, is I, I, comping reps on, on revenue, not profit, even though your margins are compressing. Ooh. So a lot of people have experienced like margin compression, right? Yeah. So it's a super common thing right now, right? And if it's, so you have to defend your margins if your margins are compressing because it changes everything, right? I mean, all of a sudden it, it uh, changes the economics of your business, right? So if you, if you switch, if you have your reps on a, in your, they're being comped on revenue. If you switch them to being comped on profit, then they'll they'll defend the rep, the the margins a lot better. And in the math, you know, if your profit margins were are thirty percent and your rep gives away a fifteen percent discount, um, and that, that they feel like they need to give away be, to get the deal done in, in these don't. times. So there's a they, lot of mindset stuff that I'm sure you know 
you could also write a book about. But um, it's so interesting that reps, I, I come in contact with this a lot too, where they'll want to sell the cheaper thing, even though they make less money on it because they think it's easier to sell, but it's actually not necessarily easier to sell. It's the, yeah. it's the reps mindset more than like the uh, buyer's process, uh, mindset. Well, and, and maybe it's just a little easier to sell, but it's really yeah. not, Marginally. It's, it, but, it, but it can really damage the business. Because if you have, you know, if you have 30% margins and they give a 15% discount instead of a 0% discount, you need two deals to be, to generate the same amount of profit as you would have been able to do from, from, from one deal. And a lot of companies used to have great margins. They've tightened down a little bit, but they haven't adjusted this. If you're in a tight margin industry, your reps are for sure already comped on, on profit, not revenue. But a lot of people, but in, you see in a lot of thick margin industries, you know, software, things like that, um, you see reps being comped on, on uh, the revenue, not the margin. And, uh, but if you align them with profit, then, then if uh, that, if they're on revenue, revenue based, that 15% discount, discount costs them 15% of their commission. If they're on a profit based plan and your, your, your margin is 30%, that 15% discount just cost them half their commission. So you align yeah. them with, by, by making a shift to a profit-based uh, comp plan, you align the goals of the rep with the goals of the company. And, and that's, and I'm not saying, you know. Pay everybody less. Pay but everybody, yeah. It incentivize the kind of performance that you want to see. So maybe it could also be like a smaller commission when you, at, when you discount and a larger commission when you don't. Um, well, yeah, you can, you can do things like that and, and really just aligning them works, right? Like if, yeah, well, like, that trust would me, be if you, if you are on revenue and you, if you are on revenue, you switch to profit, discounting will fall off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, they could sell it the whole time is what's interesting. Um, but they were just doing what seemed easier, but you're right. It was probably like marginally. Easy. And maybe, and if they're not, I mean, if, if if it's marginally easier and you're only going to lose 15% of your commission, maybe it's better to just do that. If it gets, if it compresses the sales cycle, et cetera, but if you're going to lose half, half your commission, well, no, 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 no. Now, now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hold the price high. I'm going to have that extra negotiation call, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, that is a great stopping point. Um, so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. This was the podcast about how sales team can succeed during a recession or in this particular case, a recession slash pandemic. Um, and we've been talking with Steve Vincent, the founder of Badger Maps, which helps field salespeople be more successful by building a daily route. And he's also a leading outside ex sales expert for the past decade. Thanks again, Steve, for making an appearance as our guest today. Absolutely, well, I really appreciate you having me, Alicia. All right, Steve, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they could connect and work with you? Sure, sure. Um, so the best way to find out about what Badger does for field salespeople, you know, routing, scheduling, mapping, et cetera, uh, just go to the website, badgermapping.com. Um, if you're looking for me, best way to get a hold of me is probably LinkedIn. Just, um, you know, just search for Steve Benson Badger. Um, and if uh, my podcast is Outside Sales Talk, um, which is a podcast for outside salespeople. Uh, so yeah, those are probably the ways to get in touch and hear more about the things I do. Wonderful.
And he's focusing specifically on how to thrive in this particular environment we're in. So it's very um, specific to now. So finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast. We show you how to put the humanity back into your sales and make a killing doing it.